everyone. Welcome to Looking for Love in All the Wrong Dust Jackets, where a couple of crazy gals from college decided, what if we talked about some romance together and let y'all in on the conversation? Uh, my name is Liz. I'm Danny. Guess what? I'm still Wiggles. Cool. Glad it hasn't changed. Today, folks, we're <laughs> going to be talking about um, the second season of Bridgerton, where I get to see even more of Antony's butt. I mean, I do like Antony's butt. It makes me happy. It's nice. It's, nice butt. it's round. Very firm looking. It's got something you can hold on to, you yeah. know? And that's what I appreciate. That's what I appreciate about him. <laughs> oh, letter Kenny. <laughs> All right, before we get into talking about the show, what is on the docket, like what your personal docket? What are you doing? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you consuming? What are you dancing to? I don't know. What's happening? Uh, I started watching the new ne- Netflix documentary thing called Killer Sally. I don't know what this is. It's, oh, Liz, you're going to love it. It's uh, a, a true crime thing Mm -hmm. and it's about a woman who kills her um bodybuilder husband she's also a bodybuilder Mm -hmm. and he was pretty violent because you know steroids 90s Mm -hmm. um but yeah so it's it's really good so far okay put that on the list wiggles what are you up to in life um well last night i watched encanto and cried Um, as you do when you watch encanto let's be honest (laughs) yeah Mm. I knew what I was getting into, you know, like <laughs> this wasn't the first time by any means. I was like, you know what? I need a good Encanto cry. Yeah. And I did that's that. Fair. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> I have, I've done it y'all. I have finally found, finally found, I finally found a book talk uh, recommendation that at least so far has been worth it. I am reading Gideon the Night. Um, I'm about a third into the book. And so far it's very good. It is is not a romance. I, I think it gets there, maybe. there At least maybe there's a sex scene. I don't know, uh, that, based on what TikTok is telling me. But uh, so far, it is. It's got, like, a if you took a lot of the YA, like, premises as far as, like, let's put everybody in houses and have them compete for prizes, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. But made it adult and made it necromancers and shit is really good. So far, it's good. Ooh. Yeah. It's, I, it's on Kindle Limited. Oh, good to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I'd love to say I'd read that soon, but we know I'm I know. And I just have to say this. I did finally finish Reminders of Him, um, the Colleen Hoover. And I don't want to offend anybody out there, but if all of her books are remotely similar to that, I am not a Colleen Hoover fan. Like, it's just... Based on what I've read, she's not my author. No, it's just like one note of depression until the very end and there's like a happily ever after. Oh, no, I can't. And it's no. like the one I read, It Ends With Us. Mm-hmm. Um, was the one I read because it was like everywhere. Everyone was like, "Oh, it ends with us, so good!" And I was like, oh, "Okay, cool, let me check it out." And like that one was one of the most toxic things I've ever seen. And it was like, "Oh, but it's happy at the end because she found a way to f- forgive him," kind of thing. Like it was. I don't want to give too much away, yeah. right? But like it was just a long slog of not being happy. And I was like, "Look, I get it." But that that is not the bill of goods that I was sold. If you're telling me it's a romance, I'm expecting it to not be miserable the entire time. Yeah, and the reminders of him or a reminder, whatever, was not a romance. Was there a romance plotline? Yes. And did that kind of help further on the main plotline? Yes. 
But that's not the main fucking thing we're here for. It's about a mother trying to get her daughter back. Which, I mean, is fine. Like, if that's the, the plot you want. But not me. Yeah, no. That's sad. That's too sad. See, and this one, this, when I say it was, like, fucking toxic, I mean, from the very beginning, it's, like, a trauma-bonded friend's that want to be more than friends, but they're teenagers and they don't know what they're doing because that's what teenagers mm-hmm. do, right? And then his abusive parents threw him out. Her abusive parents are just, like, fucking bad people from what I remember. I can't mm-hmm. remember what they did, but I know that they weren't great. It was, like, daddy issues kind of thing. And then, like, she meets somebody else and because he love bombs her, she's like, oh my god, this must be it! turns out the love bombing asshole is exactly that an asshole so you just like slog through that going girl no stop so it's toxic like Grey's anatomy uh no don't insult Grey's anatomy (laughs) i love Mm. Grey's anatomy i do but there's a lot of fucking toxic relationships in Grey's anatomy yeah the biggest one being derek and meredith come on oh they're They're terrible terrible. they're terrible for each other i can rant about that for days does that mean that I don't root for them? Oh, no, no I totally root up, for and them. I accept that about and myself. I love Grey's Anatomy, but it, it, toxic. There, so much toxicity in that show. Name one couple that isn't involved with Miranda Bailey that isn't toxic. I... And um, even the one with Miranda Bailey is kind of toxic. You can't no, do it. Can't do it. Which is true. There aren't. I'm sorry. Like, love it. But also, Shonda... Are you capable of writing a healthy one? Let's see that. Yeah, they're all... Because, like, bringing it back around to Bridgerton, none of these are great. Yeah, no. (laughs) They all have questionable moments at best, you know? So it's like, I would love to see you just write a healthy relationship. (laughs) Just just one. (laughs) It's true. Should we get into Bridgerton? I think maybe yeah. that's that's what we're here to do today. It is indeed. So Bridgerton season two, massive improvement. Oh yeah, significant improvement. Absolutely. I know that there wasn't as much like sexiness in this, but there was so much more steam. Oh yeah, like they were enemies to lovers, oh, and God. you know I love an enemies to lovers. Every moment they was like, if I look at you long enough, we will eye. Oh fuck. yeah, just immediately. There's the one moment where like Edwina. When they were telling them that you know you you guys have to keep away from each other, you can't. We you have to behave each behave yourselves around each other, and they like stared at each other. And Antwina was like, "Were they always this obvious? How did I not see this?" Yes, 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 they yes, they were. <laughs> I will say that the second book is, as we've talked about uh, previously, is a massive step up from the first book. But like. The second season is also a massive step up from the first season, despite the fact that it takes like bits and pieces of the book and yeah. then just rewrites the plot. Yeah. It's um, massive. Oh, like, yeah. And I think that maybe that's why I'm so mad about the first season, like still having the essay right. scene. Because I'm just like, you edited so much from this book. You telling me you couldn't have done that? Fuck off. Yeah, it could have been you an accident. actively made that choice. It didn't happen in time. It didn't happen, you know. Right. Oh, I'm so mad about it. Salty. Salty so, is what I have. Just to kick this off, let's do the elephant in the room right away. Biggest change is how Antony and Kate end up getting married. And that biggest change revolves around how they changed Edwina. 
Let's just talk about it and get it yeah. out of the way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. In the book, it's that they get married because they get caught with him sucking on her chest because he's trying to suck the bee venom out. Again, don't do that, people. It won't work. It won't work. Um, because <laughs> It's he's not how out. bees work. <laughs> it's not how bees work at all. But Also, on that note, just a PSA, if you guys wrote this on how snake venom or any venom works, if it's going to get in you and in your bloodstream, it's already, it, it's, it's done. Don't, don't it do ain't that. coming back out by you sucking on a wound. I also read recently that the the whole jellyfish peeing on you thing is also a lie. Like that's not that's entirely urban legend and is does not help. And now you've got piss on you. Well, there you go, listeners. If you've learned nothing else <laughs> from ever listening to us, don't pee on a jellyfish thing and don't try to snuff, suck out snake venom because the the worst thing you're gonna do is now also snake venom in the other person. Well, it's not even that. You're going to add bacteria along with the snake venom. Right. Like, our mouths are disgusting. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But, so yeah, he they get caught in the book with him trying to suck out the venom of the bee. Again, don't do that. Um, but Unless you're trying to convince just, somebody that they'll let to, to, like, put your mouth on their boots. <laughs> like, somebody was, they were like, wait a minute, no, <laughs> this seems like a great yeah. seduction technique. I have learned something from the book. <laughs> we're here, don't, don't worry. Don't worry, guys. We're here to stop you. That'll get you slapped. Um, (laughs) And slapped hard. And in the move in the show, that doesn't happen at all. I mean, the bee thing happens, but he doesn't suck on her. I think it's an improvement. I I really enjoy that they just have that like moment where she realizes that he's not entirely there. He's freaking out Mm -hmm. and scared that she's going to die. I do think it's an improvement because that like moment in the book feels a little awkward mm-hmm. and not like awkward like it, it was meant to be awkward but awkward like I think you're taking me out of the story a little bit like who's mm-hmm. doing that but in the show I was ready to move into like the next stage of the romance mm-hmm. like by the time you get to to that episode you're like okay let's go to the next stage and and it doesn't go to the next stage like so I think that was a missed opportunity see, yes it's frustrating I kinda but I kind of like it because I'm one of those people. I'm one of those bitches that's like addicted to the longing. I love you. Love it. a slow burn. Oh yeah, just just completely like give it to me every day of the week. I love it. I don't know why. It's probably a toxic trait. It's probably not healthy, but it is where I'm at, and I like that is my absolute favorite. Like the long haul with the good payoff. That's all I want. Everything else is sort of like. Everything else is fast food, and I want a five-course meal. I can get into what you're talking about if there is a decent amount of time post-getting together. And there wasn't, like, we're skipping to the end of the season. Yes, I will agree. That was way rushed, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh. Yeah, they have a lot of cute Hmm. moments in their marriage Mm -hmm. um, in the book that just don't happen in the series because... They basically get married, and that's the end of the show. They also have a lot of um, yeah. fun, sexy times. Or and we don't even get to yes. see the wedding. Yeah, we don't need. Sorry. To. Yeah, no. They they have a lot of sexy times. Isn't right. They don't actually have sex in the book until they're married. But they have a lot of like fun times, mm-hmm. like with the library scene. And oh, God, I love that library scene so much. Yeah, and, or no, was it the study scene? Both, both library and study, both good. Yeah. That didn't happen in the show, and I think that was a massive missed opportunity. Correct. I do love the moments. I I did love that scene, too. Mm -hmm. I do love the moments in the show where, like, they're getting close to each other. They're being drawn to each other. And then they, like, hear something. And they both Mm -hmm. instantly just, like, 
evaporate from each other because <laughs> they they do that with when she gets stung by the bee like that he's freaking out he she's got him finally calms down enough and he's still sitting here with his hand on her chest <laughs> and then they hear something and they just like whoosh and i'm like oh shit you want each other so bad i saw, I saw a meme recently <laughs> that like uh, it was the part where they go hunting you know and they're like Dude has, like, slept with how many women? He sees Kate's leg one time, and he's like, yep, I'm done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he is kind That's of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Within that context, is kind of ironic. It is really funny, yeah, when you think about... And, and they show in the beginning of the season him, like, all right, I gotta go deal with my family stuff, and then I gotta go, like, try to woo some woman to be my wife, and then I gotta go fuck somebody, and then we gotta do it again. But I will say, I do like, so, they they did it all through the first season, but you don't understand the connotation of it until the second season. Every season, or every episode starts with, like, a beat mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then you realize during the second season how incredibly dark that is. Yeah, I still don't understand, because some of the, some of them are, like, wearing uh like a brooch or a pin with a bee on it or they have like an embroidery a small piece of embroidery on their collar with a bee and i'm sorry but if a bee is what took down my father i would not have i would not be like using that as a symbol for my family yeah like and it's i know it's just like it's just a thing to start out with it's not actually like in their clothing and stuff you know it's just it's like umbrella academy every every episode starts with an umbrella somewhere but (laughs) it's like I realized that I was like, why is it always a bee? That's that's kind of weird. And then you find out in the second season that their father was stung by a, de- a bee and basically died in his wife's arms. And it's like, oh, that is so incredibly dark. What the fuck? And I yeah. like dark things. I, I, I wanted to take what you were saying seriously, but you said stung by a D. <laughs> Shut up. Um, I promise nothing. Are you laughing because she messed up the word B, which I don't think is the case, or are you laughing because D means dick and you're talking you're thinking somebody got stabbed with a dick and that's how they died? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean probably. (laughs) I mean, there's gotta be someone in history. I mean, well, and I'm just saying who's died by dick stabbing. I can't it's gotta be I'm real. Just say it. In the Bridgerton series, there's a whole lot of dickin'. Mm-hmm. Not enough mm-hmm. in this that season. Is so true. Like, correct. Like not enough. Because I will say, in the first season, I distinctly remember I started watching it with my friend Angela when we were having an old lady day. We were cross stitching and watching TV, and we're like, "Oh, this looks good. It's a new series on Netflix." And then we started it, and one of the first things you see is Antony fucking an opera singer against a tree, and it's like, "Oh." It's going to be one of these. I really appreciate that they kept that in the second season because I think it is. I know it's in the first episode. I don't know if it's the first moment you see him again, but you see his ass pretty quickly. Like, thank you. I appreciate. Let's also talk about the fact that, like, while everyone on that show is fucking hot, that was the hottest couple that they could have put together. Anthony and Kate? What? Yes. Oh, yes yeah. they are so pretty is, she's I'm, stunning like they were like oh you know she's just not as pretty as Edwina my ass, my ass she's not as no. pretty as Edwina 
That is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. But I think that's in my but life. But I think that's a little bit of the point because Edwina looks the classically beautiful as the time period would dictate. Yes. Whereas she's Kate. Small and petite and everything. And that's not Kate. Right. That's not Kate. However, True. from our modern lens where we're like, anybody can look however they want and still be beautiful. You can look at her and go, you're fucking gorgeous. Oh, hot damn. Right. You're fucking gorgeous. I just stare at her eyes. She, did you guys notice she has gorgeous eyes the eyebrow thing the the like little scrunchie she does in the the, the last ball when they're like like raising their hands and she's like uh, like you're like how did you make that look attractive i stare at her jawline i don't know why she has oh, a great jawline i'm just like fabulous. jesus sorry now i'm getting I'm hot like her thinking moves. about her now too <laughs> right <laughs> right that's what i'm saying <laughs> That's probably why they didn't give us as many sex scenes. We couldn't handle it. I just totally got from, have you seen A Good Place? The the TV show? A Good Place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way that Kristen Bell's characters is obsessed with Tahani. Well, there's a moment where she's like, and she has cappuccino skin, and now she, now I'm complimenting her kind of warm. <laughs> a little bit turned <laughs> on. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, except that I don't hate <laughs> Kate, but um, look, I appreciate a good looking person, but more than that, I appreciate a sassy person. And oh, she's she's so sassy, sassy. I love it. Yes, she's sassy and in the best ways, and in in a very intelligent way. Though I will say, because I wrote this in my notes, the one thing I didn't get is how she is always like trying to go toe to toe with Lady Danbury, and I'm like, if. I was being sponsored, me and my family being sponsored by a very well-to-do, very well-connected woman. The last thing I'm going to do is, upon meeting her, try to put her in her place. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm too Midwestern. Um, No, I mean, well, that's... Yes, yes. we are. But, but (laughs) no, I think that the reason that uh, she does that, like, my interpretation of that was that her understanding of this society is that it's like a series of jackals, like just absolutely the women are wolves and the men are pigs, right? Like it's just awful. Right. And so I don't think she expects Lady Danbury to be anything that her mother is telling her that she is. Oh, she was my friend back in the day, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think from her perspective, she's like, no, no, ma'am, I got this. Yeah. She probably doesn't have a high opinion of the Tan in general because of how they treated her mother right, and and her father because they were pissed about her mother marrying her father and everything. And so she probably has this impression of them, which is mostly correct, true, but not in the broad scheme of things. There are very nice people in the group of people, Lady Danbury being one of them. Yes, she is formidable, but she's not a dick. No, she's a nice lady when it comes down to it. It did lead to a really nice arc in their kind of like friendship forming. Yes. Yes. I I like that Lady Danbury was like, okay, you want to be alone? We can make that happen. But don't go skulk off to India and live alone and never get to see your sister or your mother. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Get rich first, bitch. Well, and the conversation of, you know, she's like, I don't see... Like, you're happy. And she's like, because, but you're not me. Right. I was married. Mm-hmm. I am a widow. I lived my life before all of this happened. Well, and not only lived my life, I di- I made the choices that allowed me to be where mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. And it's a little bit mm-hmm. of a, oh God, what is the word? 
allegory? No, that's not right. Shit. Cut all this out until I come up with a cool word. Metaphor? Yeah. Or, or, no. Mm, that's not right either. No. Mm. Uh. Mm. Anyway. Hmm. We'll start here. Anyway, it also really kind of like references or shows things that we can deal with in our real life as far as, let's say you are somebody who is either well off, and I don't mean like rich, I just mean like living comfortably and maybe have made a lot of good choices to be able to have a job or something that you really enjoy. And having somebody who's like fresh out of high school or college go, I want to do what you're doing. Why can't I just do it? And you have to work up to it. Yeah. You know, you have to earn the right to be that way. Right. Not the right, but which is to... ironic coming, yeah, coming from them to be like you have to earn it, like bitch, you didn't earn shit. Mm. But no, I, well, and I think too, like from Lady Danbury's perspective, she's like you know Mother Bridgerton, and that this like firm belief that true love does exist mm-hmm. and that you should pursue it, and she's in direct conflict with what Kate thinks of that. She does like mm-hmm. she wants it for her sister, but doesn't think she it's something she can have she, she just doesn't want kate to rule that out as a possibility for herself she's still very young like yes in that time period and everything because in the show she is considerably older than she is in the book right yes. she is 26 in the mm-hmm. show which i know seems very young it is a baby but <laughs> to, to us <laughs> but she doesn't want Kate at 26 to be like, well, no, I'll never, I'll never have the, the husband and the, the family and everything like that. She doesn't like that. She's just ruled that out for herself already. Lady Danbury is kind of, I think, saddened by the fact that Kate's like, well, no, I can't have that. Especially when it's not even that Kate is like, I see what that is and I actively don't want it. Her approach is just, it's, not an option for me. And Lady yeah. Danbury is trying to say it can be an option for you. It can be. You have to choose to try to make that a priority, mm-hmm. but you just completely ruled it out. Right. And not because it's not something you want. Well, maybe back to... We were going to talk about Edwina, weren't we? Yeah, we were going to talk about Edwina. Let's let's do. Let's talk about mm-hmm. her. Let's talk. Let's throw the shade, spill the tea. Let's before do it. we start throwing the shade. I will. I do want to point out a couple of things that I do like about her. I prefer Book Edwina a hundred percent. Oh yeah. However, I do kind of enjoy how ditzy and just like unaware they made Edwina because that does make the most sense. She's supposed to be like what twenty years old. She's never been a part of the town. She's never been a part of society. So yeah. she's just kind of like floating around, not really knowing what to do and being fed all of this positive reinforcement by her sister of you're so beautiful, you're so wonderful, you can get anything you want. Yeah. She's basically had Disney princess growing up like we did and then got shoved into the real world and expected Disney princess reality. Yes. And she, the way she reacts to things is always very strange to me. It's almost like she doesn't, have any opinions of her own which at is, times at times she very much and i understand that this is a bit of the times too where she very much has like rehearsed things that she says and everything about people but like sometimes her answers it's like oh my god you really don't have any thoughts of your own do you i okay so this i i, I agree and i disagree i think that this edwina knows a lot more about the world than book Edwina does and I think she's playing the game in the way that she knows how she's been taught to 
be simpering and sweet and have just enough of an opinion, but not so much of an opinion that it would be off-putting. Like, she's been trained for this. Her sister has been like, these are the things you need to say. These are the things you need to do. This is how you curtsy. This is what you do, right? And I don't think it's uh, necessarily an act, but I do think that that is not her genuine self. And so I think that that's why by the end of it, when she's like, I need to stop playing this role and you need to stop playing yours and we need to actually find out who we are. That's coming from a genuine place because I think that Edwina saw her value mm-hmm. through being this. Right. Even if she didn't know there was such a steep price tag, she definitely saw that this was her value. Yeah, and I can see I can see that. I do really like the line of, you know, I think it's time to find out who we really are because I don't know about you, but I don't like either girl that we've been betraying Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah that's exactly what you've been doing you haven't been being your real people right and it's time Mm -hmm. for you to figure out who you actually are now the time in between there's a moment where i kind of wanted to punch her in the face when she was going off on kate yes like i understand the going off Mm -hmm. like i can completely understand the going off she's really upset i get that you are very much entitled to your feelings however your sister literally was just standing up at the altar with you, did nothing to stop this wedding. You are the one who stopped it. And you are accusing her of doing this to you on purpose. The only, I I agree with you, the only line that got me, the only line that where I thought she was too far was when Kate said, like, my sister or you're my sister. And Edwina goes, half-sister. Yeah. But I have been in those arguments with my family where you say the t- most terrible the thing. thing. You say it and you wish you could just grab it out of the air and shove it back yeah. in your mouth. But now that you've said it, you're not going to back down no. from yeah. it. You're like, "Fuck you! I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hold this anger, mm-hmm. right?" And and so like I I slightly disagree. Like I think that from Edwina's perspective, she was 100 percent in the right. I'm not saying she was 100% in the right, but I'm saying from Edwina's perspective, she was. Because she just got made a fool of. She's been made a fool of this entire time. Kate could have told her at any time, hey, this is why I don't want you to do this. Right? And from her perspective, Kate has almost been pushing her away from him this whole time because she's jealous and then gave up and wanted to make a fool of her Mm -hmm. and then has been pushing her towards him. Like, you could see how, like, from that perspective, it's fucked up what Kate did. And then that's on top of the fact that Kate's been lying about their financial situation. Mm-hmm. Kate's been sheltering Edwina. And, like, you think about that. In some ways, yeah, it's it's you taking care of her. But it's also you setting her up for failure because you've sheltered her away from things yeah. that she needed to know. Well, and I'm not excusing what Kate did. Like, she did some fucked up shit. She just didn't quite do what Edwina did, thought she did. It was very much a misunderstanding on both of their parts. Um, Edwina, when she's angry, assumed that she was doing this on purpose. Well, and to be frank, to some degree she was. It maybe wasn't in the sense of like, I'm going to make a fool out of you. But on purpose, she allowed Edwina to continue to go down this path of thinking that Antony loved Edwina. Yes. And Kate knew that was not the case and knew that the life that Edwina was looking forward to was not the one she was going to get. Correct. It was hollow. It was false. Well, and and she does this at 
not only at her own expense and Edwina's expense, she does this at Anthony's mm-hmm. expense. And she does it against the wishes of Anthony and Lady Danbury. Like, they both are like, hey, by the way, you should probably... No. Okay. And, and, and you know, like, Kate does really mess up. Yes. In a way that she doesn't mess up in the book, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I think that everybody takes... Um, Kate's side because she's the the hero of the story in in whatever context you want to take that but like but is also like she's the one who's getting the most hurt and I and I feel that like right like I am so sympathetic and empathetic to to Kate because like oh man but like Edwina is not wrong I like it took me a while. It took me mm-hmm. like my third watching mm-hmm. of this to like settle on that. But Edwina's not wrong. She's just naive. And Kate kind of took advantage yeah. of that. And I think that as somebody who who has been made the fool, it stings. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you know, like I don't like Edwina for a very different reason, but I don't think her reaction in this moment was wrong or unfair because at no point did uh kate try to make amends for the things that she actually did she just said i have a list of excuses Mm -hmm. this is why i'm frustrated with adina adina edwina (laughs) um this is why i'm frustrated with adwina it's that she acts like a spoiled child and is she a little bit sure because of her naivety but she's 20 years Mm -hmm. old and like Kate tells her from the beginning, not this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally anyone else can be yours. Not this one. Now, does Kate not necessarily fully understand why she's saying that? No, no. she doesn't. But, but And does she make that clear to Edwina? Absolutely not. But she's telling you, literally, just not this one. There are plenty of great suitors who are interested in you, who want you, who think that you're the bee's knees. Just not this one. Instead of taking her advice, instead of hearing her out, she goes... Yeah, but I like the challenge. <laughs> and you're like, I will, fuck, man. I know. It's so frustrating. Yeah. But once you start breaking it down, and, you know, Wiggles and I were both oldest, so I don't know what it's like to have an older sibling try to tell you something but not, like, explain it to you. And and so, Danny, how often do you listen to your brother when he was like, don't do that? Never. Exactly. Yeah, no. Adam couldn't tell me shit. I don't know why y'all do that, because 90% of the time we, we got your right. just fucking listen. I- <laughs> and... Maybe, okay, so you both have younger sisters. Mm-hmm. I am the younger sister, but he's a boy. And he's a bossy boy at that. Also a very frustratingly logical and correct boy. Those are called eldests, and we are indeed correct. Yep. <laughs> Shut up. 97% <laughs> of the time. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it, And maybe this is a younger sibling thing sometimes the more somebody tells me not to do something, the less I want to listen to them. Okay. But my my point, getting back to Adrena though, like she's, she's absolutely acting like a spoiled brat. And she's also like making Kate feel guilty for not, because you say like, she doesn't explain. Yeah, she does at first. She's like, um, this guy, you're looking for a love match. He's not interested in one. He has a horrible Literally reputation. Literally pick someone else. Well, and Kate overhears yeah, him like, say he's not here for that. He just wants to find somebody that he can yeah. like marry and right. be the head of his household. Marry and push out babies. Yeah. 
And I think the thing that makes it the most frustrating for me is that both Mary and Edwina, and it's like, it's a little bit complicated, but they have come to rely on Kate. Whether Kate has forced herself into that position to make herself Mm -hmm. feel valued or whether Mary and Edwina just didn't know how to take charge of anything and so have allowed her Mm -hmm. to do it. Or it's where the two streams meet, right? But either way, Edwina is all for Kate sacrificing for her, Kate doing all of the extra things for her, making sure she's pampered and treated right and sweet and... Um, and making sure that Kate's in control of everything else. But as soon as Kate makes a request, don't do this thing. Fuck yeah, it. she walks all over it. Well, I think it is a bit of a mirror image though to Eloise then, because yeah. Eloise and I, I love it when she finally confronts Thomas. Is that his name? The guy that she's oh can't remember kind of seeing. Uh, what is his name? Cute shot boy. We're going to call him Cute okay, Shop Boy. Uh, when she confronts Cute Shop Boy and he is just like, you don't you don't get it. You have all of this privilege. You get to make all these choices. But if I'm caught in this situation, I could be in very serious trouble. Mm-hmm. Eloise has to learn that. Like she needs to learn how much privilege she has. And I think that is kind of the mirror between Edwina and Eloise is they both grew up in a situation where somebody else took care of everything. Well, and even Benedict at, at yeah. a certain point, you know, like he he wants to be an artist. He's actually incredibly talented. Right. Um, and then he gets pissed off because the reason that he gets into the academy is because Antony made a donation. I understand why yeah. you're upset about it. I do. But at the same time, he wanted you to be there because he did see the talent and everything. He wasn't doing it just because he was like, I, not because he didn't think you couldn't get in. Mm-hmm. You don't even see the privilege you have sometimes. And that Antony is using it for your benefit at that point. Well, and uh, we're, we're going to be dovetailing a lot here as we talk about all these different characters, but like, <laughs> What that shows you about Antony's character is he is a fixer, right? Mm -hmm. He sees the, like, fucking wall of problems and he just, like, puts all of his fixes to it, not realizing that even though that fix, like getting vetted into art school, is, like, it is the quickest and easiest way to go about getting the end result. It's not necessarily the best. correct way. Yeah. Because, yeah, he could have totally gotten in himself. He's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That well, and that that is part of the the Kate and Anthony thing that makes them less well, not, not less. It makes them more toxic, in my opinion, because both of their like things that they cling to are trauma responses. Anthony tries to fix everything because he couldn't fix his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anthony likes to tell everybody else what to do because if everyone would just do what he told them, then they would get le- in way I less. I feel trouble, that in my right? soul. Like, I, like yep. we were literally talking about this earlier. I'm like, if everybody would just do the things that I told them to do, it would be better. But I can't do that. You have to learn on your own. You're such old right? children. Versus Kate and her trauma, her thing, her, her, like, trauma response that she clings to is control. Mm-hmm. If she has control over every single thing, mm-hmm. nothing can go wrong. And I think that goes back to, like, the conversation of why is she challenging Lady Danbury? Because Lady Danbury is, like, stepping on her mm-hmm. control issues. Yeah, she's a control freak, and Lady Danbury pushed that a little bit. To be fair, Lady Danbury's a bit Mm -hmm. of a control freak. Oh, fuck yeah. Immensely. Oh, yeah. Um, But, like, she knows it, Mm -hmm. and she's like, 
Listen, I've got power. Eat my well, dick. Well, and she also <laughs> self-edits. There mm-hmm. are moments where she yeah. chooses to be a control freak, and then there are moments where she sits back and watches chaos ensue. Well, that's because, and they made the reference, and we've talked about it in the show, about how Kate wanted to basically be like, do what Lady Danbury did. Like, I'll just be single and like, do what I want. But the, the like, deep underlying thing there is Lady Danbury is almost who Kate grows up into. Once she learns how to self-edit, once she has the means to just do whatever she wants because she's the Viscountess now. And that's what she'll have to become now. Now that she's like a part of that world. I I would love to see in season three that we get to see her like really leaning on Violet Mm -hmm. and Lady Danbury Mm -hmm. and being like, all right, show me how I do this so I don't fuck it up because um, one, character growth. And two, like you get to see the society of women that you get to see a little bit more, I think in the first Mm -hmm. season where we get to see Lady Danbury's party, right? That yes, you're in competition. When you're trying to get a man, you're in competition. But after that, unless your daughters are in competition, you are now part of the society of ladies and we look out Mm -hmm. for each other. Well, I think there's, that's also the big difference between Daphne who grew up learning how to be in charge of a household never probably thought she was going to be as high as a duchess but she knows how to take like her mom taught her how to be in charge of a household kate didn't learn that kate like i mean Mm -hmm. she just had to manage mary and edwina and now she's a viscountess she went from being poor not like poor like truly poor but like upper society poor to extremely rich and titled yep She's Mm going to have to run a household Mm -hmm. full of servants and deal with parties and everything because I'm sure they'll be expected to throw balls and all of that. And she she really (laughs) isn't prepared for that kind of stuff. Well, and Wiggles, you're our historian. Correct me if I'm wrong. Kate now introduces the rest of the Bridgertons, right? As the Viscountess. That's her job. Well, and they even reference that. um, I I can't remember exactly the way Anthony says it, but he said when he's talking to to Violet, he's like about his um, expectations for a wife. He's like, this is the person who will launch my sisters. Do you really want somebody who who's inept in whatever way he was complaining about? Like it was something like who can't read a map or something like mm-hmm. that to to be in charge of them, and it's a really good point. Like that's that's something that they have to think about. Well, and at that point, also in charge of Violet. Yeah, because yeah. when she takes over as Viscountess, she is then in charge of the Bridgerton family. Yeah, including well, her. Imagine that you get somebody in there who tries to oust her, her right. mother-in-law. Yeah. Right, he would never stand for yeah. that, but he doesn't want somebody that's not going to be agreeable with Violet either. And I think that that's part of what makes Edwina when he's like, "Oh, I can, I can settle for this. I can settle for this instead of love," because she's smart, she agrees with me, um, but isn't afraid to say like what she thinks in mm-hmm. his opinion. You know, like it's his per- from his perspective, she says what she she thinks. Obviously, she doesn't. <laughs> Also, she's elegant and graceful and she knows how to work the room. Mm -hmm. And those are things that you need when you're trying to get the next girl married. Mm -hmm. Well, I think Antony gets a hard time in the show because he is so like cold and analytical towards finding a wife. But one of the things that I put in my notes is how much I can like respect and relate to that because he needs to find somebody that can fit so many different like 
yeah. categories. Like it has to be a great Viscountess, has to live up to the Bridgerton name, has to be there to support the rest of his sisters, has to be there to support his mom, has to be able to like be smart enough to like raise children that he thinks would be well educated, well groomed. Well groomed is not nope, it's but... not a good term to use anymore, but you know what I meant. <laughs> well taken care of yes. and prepared for the yes. world that they're yeah. coming up in. I, and I think, too, one of the saddest scenes to me is when Eloise has just gotten in trouble. Benedict's mad at him because he's, like, bossing everybody around. And they're, they're all sassing him. And then, like, he's like, oh, we should spend the day together. And they all go their separate mm-hmm. ways. And it's like, I... <sighs> he was asking, begging at that point. Maybe that's why I connect with Antony so much, other than the fact that he has a nice ass. But... <laughs> He does have a nice ass. It's just like I totally get the whole a quarter your entire family's like responsibilities is on your shoulders. And obviously they actually mm-hmm. are in his case because he completely takes over immediately as soon as his father dies. He is now in charge of everything to the point where he's making decisions about his mother's birth. Yep. Obviously that mm-hmm. would be traumatic. Oh yeah. How could it not be? You're a teenager and you're supposed to decide whether your mother or the or your like sibling, sibling die. dies. Yeah. Oh. Can we talk, though, about how damn cute that dance scene is? Which dance scene? Which one? Where nobody shows up to the Bridgerton ball. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And because and the kids get to come down and enjoy yep, it. And, and all of them dance together. And it, it's, you know, it's the Shamas. It is the Bridgertons and Lady Danbury. And they all just do the dance together, and it's so mm-hmm. stinking cute. And Gregory dances so like dances with Lady Ga- Danbury. It's mm-hmm. so stinking cute, and just uh, like they were genuinely enjoying everybody's company at that point, which I also kind of enjoyed because I think it was a little foreshadowing. Like we all know, Kate and Antio getting married. That's just right. They're not going to shove them together all season to be like, no, no, it's not going to happen. Um, we all know they're going to get married. But it's a little foreshadowing to be like, look at the family they will be. Um, we haven't talked at all about Eloise's fucking arc in this entire thing, oh. other than just in bits and pieces. Yeah. And the thing about Eloise is I think that we're finally going to get to see her grow up. Yes. Because of all the things that happened in this last season. Like when you think about her, her like scheming to not get married and things like that, that like the, her approach to it is very much that of a child. Yes. Oh, mom, you know, like, just, just wait to, to lower my hands. I don't want to. Like, or I'm going to sneak around and play Harriet the Spy. Mm-hmm. Not that they would have known what that was at then, but you know what yeah. I mean. I think her, from her perspective, by the end of, end of the season, she's suddenly much more aware of the world. Yes. She's gotten a cruel lesson in the world on mm-hmm. that one. She's gotten a couple of cruel lessons because there's a situation with Theo, but there's also the situation with uh penelope uh where she learns that penelope is lady whistledown and she learns that and it is very dramatic and and obviously she's very like offended especially after penelope outed her Mm -hmm. in her whistledown articles but the thing that i think she really really learns from penelope is not everybody has your resources not everybody has the ability to just go around doing whatever they want Mm -hmm. and expecting their siblings to cover for them Well, and the other thing I think she really learned from that situation is actions have consequences. Yeah. Doing all this freaking Harriet the Spy bullshit that she's been doing, trying to figure out who Lady Whistledown is and all this shit, had a consequence. 
but she attracted the eyes of the queen and the queen was basically going to ruin her family if she didn't you know admit to it and everything and was the queen wrong absolutely but how how can she prove that the queen is wrong Right. You need to understand that your actions have consequences, which they never did for her before. And she's old enough to know yes. better, mm-hmm. but too stubborn to acknowledge it. It's in the same way that, like, she is so mean, frankly, to Daphne because Daphne accepts her role in society mm-hmm. and understands the responsibility that's on her shoulders. And because because of Daphne taking that responsibility seriously, Eloise gets a little bit more reprieve. Mm-hmm. But, like, the way that she essentially bullies her, even when she gives her a compliment, like, I'm, I'm, she says something like, I'm grateful that uh, you were perfect so I didn't have to be. Like, that's really fucking underhanded. Yeah. yeah. Because she has no concepts of taking she's the opposite of anthony is what she is she has no concept of taking responsibility for her own actions let alone someone else's well and she also has no concept of and i know we're shitting on eloise a little bit right now which is the opposite of our opinion of her she is at I least love her. yeah she's a favorite love her. but she does not understand the consequences of her actions she doesn't understand certain things now a lot of these are a fact that she's probably what 16 mm-hmm. i think they're older than that i think they're the same age as edwina She's I think 20. that's she's twenty. Okay, because they moved up the yeah. age to everybody, um, so that it wasn't creepy when Daphne is. Well, actually, they made Daphne younger, which was weird. But everybody else, they moved the age yeah. up. I do think, though, it'll be interesting to see in the next seasons how Eloise has to learn that not only does her actions have consequences, she can't just be thinking about herself anymore mm-hmm. because that's all she's been doing. She has, and uh, while there's certain things I understand because. She feels trapped in a world that doesn't understand who she is. Mm -hmm. And I totally get that. And then, yes, she was kind of a dick to Daphne in certain ways because Daphne did accept her things. The problem is, the problem that she has with Daphne is because Daphne is so good at everything she does, people look at Eloise and expect her to be just like her. That's that's when she storms off from From the party. Yeah, that's that moment. Because she just... yeah. Her personality doesn't suit the world she's in. No. It's not the way she's quote unquote supposed to be. Now, they have hinted in the show that there is a cusp of change happening, the beginnings of it, but I don't think it's going to happen quickly enough. Well, the, the, the first thing that has to happen is, not the first thing, but one of the biggest things that has to happen is repairing the relationship between her and Penelope. Mm-hmm. And I love Penelope in this season. And the thing I love the most is if you pay attention enough, you get to see that Penelope and Lady Featherington are so similar. Mm-hmm. Like you learn mm-hmm. how Penelope got to the way she was by watching how her mother is, I don't want to say manipulative in a bad way, but like manipulative in that that good way of like understanding how the world works and how she interacts in it and how she can then use everything to the advantages in the situation she wants. Mm-hmm. I have a theory about okay. that. I think Lady Featherington knows. Think about how astute she is, mm-hmm. how much shit she sees, uh-huh. how much things she can manipulate. How could she not know You're really going to tell me money has been coming into their house and she hasn't fucking noticed? Well, like, Penelope has been hiding the, all of the money. I don't know if she would have yes, noticed if she was yes, using it. 
No, I don't think so. But I, I think so. So this is my theory, right? I think that she knows Penelope is is doing something sneaky and underhanded, but not necessarily wants the best. What it is, but right. yeah, she. I don't think she necessarily knows what, but I think she helps cover for Penelope. Like I think if you genuinely like got down to it, there's a reason she treats her different than the other girls, and it's because she knows Penelope is different. Mm-hmm. She knows that she's smart. She knows that she's more like her. And I think that if she found out that Penelope was Lady Whistledown, she would be proud. She wouldn't be, like, she might be angry at first, but she'd be proud. Mm -hmm. I genuinely think that that's the path that we're leading down, is that at some point, Lady Featherington is going to find the money and is going to say, you've been withholding this from the family. And she's going to say, and Penelope's going to come right out and say it and say that she fucking earned it. Mm -hmm. I hope so, because that's a much more positive interaction than kind of what they're portraying right now which is that lady featherington is too obsessed with well first off just try to fix their finances um which it makes sense i would be obsessed with that too during that time period um and marrying off her other two daughters to just not pay attention to penelope at all yeah i just don't know how someone who's that maternal can have that and how she completely destroyed lord featherington oh yeah oh, oh yeah. gosh she's it's like i'm a fantastic. mother first bitch like i have priority you're cute and, and whatever girls. but get fucked well and it's one of those things that like and i said this about the first season that like they portray lady featherington as a villain almost sometimes yeah. and like they did that when she took marina to like the poorer side of town and everything and i I kind of look at it from the eye of trying to think of it from the times then. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, she's not doing the nicest thing. But what she's doing is trying to point out the reality of the situation. Like, girl. She's the harsher version of Lady Danbury. Yes. Because she's seen the actual shit show that exists beyond the the like facade yes. right and i think that lady danbury while well-meaning doesn't fully understand that i don't think she's ever had to experience poverty mm-hmm. not in the same way i don't think she's afraid of it because to her it's it's an it's a non-issue yes and never will be well and lady featherington had the opposite of what we were talking about earlier where antony just kind of needed to let people figure some shit out on their own she could not let marina figure that out on her no, own because there is not. no coming back no. from it you need to learn and you need to learn quick by the way i love marina's involvement oh my gosh i wrote that down and i think it is also so this whole show i think this whole season is about coming to a lot of realities Mm -hmm. and Colin had to come to a reality by going to see Marina and understanding that the world isn't all sunshine and roses either. Yep. And sometimes you have to make choices that aren't the best. Like they don't, they're the best for you, but they may not seem the most fun. Mm -hmm. I think he had to see that in her. Well, and she points out, and by the way, this makes me go, Oh, does Mm -hmm. Marina know? Oh, she did know. Yes. Oh, what did she know that? That Penelope was in love with Colin? She mm-hmm. she had guessed it. She oh. found out at the end of Penelope the first season. Penelope never admitted it, but she guessed yeah. it. No, no, no. Not that she's in love it. with Colin. That I think she's realized that Penelope is Lady Whistledown. You think so? You do. I think so. Because she, like, she knows that she's in love with Colin, but, like, the biggest reason that they ended up, like, splitting things is because Penelope wrote it in Lady Whistledown. 
Oh, that, yeah. And, and there is only a very few people that actually knew that Marina was pregnant. And Eloise did say that at the end of the mm-hmm. show was, you were one of the few people that knew mm-hmm. about the situation. Yep. Well, and when you think about it, Penelope didn't have a guilty conscience. She would have gone to go see Marina. Uh-huh. But it's implied that she has not seen her since she uh-huh. left. Well, and just the look on her face when she says to Colin that... Penelope is one of the most loyal people you have in your life and that she would do anything for you. I was like, oh shit, she knows. I feel like, I really think she knows. That she knows that Penelope chills Colin over her mm-hmm. in that situation. Yep, and I think she knows that she's Lady Whistledown, but she's choosing not to say anything because she also, I think Marina felt guilty about what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, she's found a not necessarily loving life, not necessarily super happy life, but she's contented. She has her kids. Yeah. You know. She's taken care of. Yep. She's very well taken care of. She doesn't necessarily love her husband, but she doesn't dislike him. He's, He's a nice good father. Enough. He's a good father. You know, um, she's annoyed by his hobby, but that's who isn't annoyed by some hobbies of their spouses. I just want to point this out. But I'm pretty certain, especially from what I've seen on like TikTok talk and stuff, he is who Eloise ends up with, Sir Philip. I think so. Because so, well, Eloise's I'm book, pretty sure Eloise books is Sir Philip to Sir Philip or something like that. I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah. So just Whoa. you know, oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. So Marina does not have a good future. I don't think. I, I like. I don't think there's a way that that ends happily. Oh no! Spoilers. Oh, uh, same <laughs> <time>. go away. <laughs> I do think though. For every beat that we had that made me happy with Anthony and Kate, there was, there was like immediately followed, like they were trying to be mean. They were like, there was a moment between Penelope and Colin that just punched me in the fucking gut. And I was like, could you not? Oh Oh my God, I'm trying to enjoy myself here. And you're just rudely interrupting that. Yeah, they're going to have to try real hard to make me like Colin Mm -hmm. in the next season. Yes, he's going to have to earn it. He's going to have to earn it hard because I was ready to go on him i swear to god if penelope is still like pining for him and he doesn't have to earn his way back into that potential relationship i will light everything on <laughs> so there's supposed to be a time jump i don't know how much of a time jump there's going to be but if they follow the plot of the book which i haven't read i just know loosely or vaguely penelope moves on mentally like she's just like okay whatever i'm just gonna be lady whistle down it's fine and then that's when colin it goes oh this person who's been in front of me the whole time Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's what they're gonna do in the show i don't know really how that would play i was gonna bitch slap groveling i expect immense groveling when he finally realizes it he's going to have to work harder then Anthony worked to get Edwina. He literally had just admitted to her that he saw her, that he understood that. But she doesn't count. Yeah. Fuck. Like, I, like as somebody who's been. I felt that in my soul. Yeah. Like past Liz was like, <sighs> oh no, it ripped my heart. <gasps> like, I bawled. Listen, I was told once. I don't. I can't even remember the context that the words were in, but the words haunt me. That I don't even count as a girl. Like that was one of the things oh, I got yeah. hit with. Yeah. And like to like when when he was like, You do not count, I was like, eat shit and die, motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> like it was like triggered. Well, you saying that <laughs> just now like emotionally damaged me. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. 
Or, like, this one was one that haunted me for years. Um, I was told that I was not the type of girl you date. I was the type of girl you bring home. And most people aren't mature enough at this point to bring a girl home. And I was like... Oh, was somebody trying to stab you in the heart? What's his name? I think they were trying to be nice. <laughs> What's his name, Wiggles? I will hurt it's him. Not- Track him down and dispose of him. No, it's fine. He's off ruining his own life. <laughs> good, good, good. Hope it hurts you, fucker. Uh, but yeah, all the things that Colin, all the like ways that he manipulates and gaslights and like it hurts her, makes it seem like he's not. Yes, it's it's brutal. Oh god, it hurts me and so I, much every mm-hmm. time. I'm like, I will. I believe so. I think there's two shows happening. I think there's one show to people, uh, for people who didn't know that Penelope was Lady Whistledown until like it was revealed. And then there's the show that people are watching who knew from like episode two in season one that Penelope was Lady Whistledown. That was me. Yeah, the the wallflowers out there are watching the Penelope Colin shit, and we're just like, you motherfucker. What was <laughs> it like two episodes in? We're like Penelope's probably Lady Whistledown. Yeah, I was. I was like. I think it's Penelope. And every time the writers, those fucking assholes who wrote those scenes where Penelope is like, oh, hi, Colin. Or like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. here just, you know, listening to what you're saying and and you matter and, and all this shit. And I'm just like, <laughs> why are you writing my life? It's, it's your, your like deep seated fear that that's what you looked and sounded like. And like. The worst part is maybe, maybe it was. probably you did, and like, oh, why you gotta hurt me like this, bro? Right? You did not have to put it in out there for everyone to see. Like you didn't have to. Do- <laughs> and it feels it feels very personal, mm-hmm. at least I, to me. Oh yeah, no, it does to me too. I literally like when he was like copping his mouth off mm-hmm. at the end, and she overhears. Mm-hmm. I was like. Colin Bridgerton, I will hurt you. Like, I was, like, bawling because it's what I do. It's stupid and I hate it. Um, But I ball. And so I'm bawling at this. And then she, like, he sees her face. And I was like, yeah, see her face. See what you did. Well, and, like, that's why I'm so adamant about, like, if you don't make him grovel and you just have her, like, fall over over herself to be with him, like... The message that you're sending is that Penelope, or the message that you're sending to to girls everywhere is that just hold out long enough and, you know, you'll be able to, like, wear him down. And it's, like, number one, 97% of the time that's not how it works. And number two... Do you really want that to be the way it works? Do you want somebody who didn't want you? Yeah, do you want somebody who who spoke about you like that? Who didn't see you for the actual person you are? Even though he's supposedly one of your best friends. Right. Well, well who's the one for. person who who tells Penelope outright he is not your friend? Lady Featherington. Mm-hmm. Season one, she says he is not your friend. Yep. One person looking out for her. I mean, I would love for us to get back to Kate and Anthony. Because I feel like yeah, we talked we've talked about, about it, but we haven't talked about it. We've <laughs> talked about a lot. So I would also like to point out that just purely looking at how long we've been recording, we need to wrap it up in general. Yes. Sure. Sure, 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 But. <laughs> sure, uh, sure, 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 <laughs> sure. However, I have more to say. 
However, <laughs> I'm a I'm obsessed with Kate and Anthony in this television mm-hmm. show. I do love them. Uh, oh god, they're so good. The like their sexual tension is like so high red alert. But one one part, and this is the part that's like t- taking the internet by storm, right? Is the part where he's let corners her. This is after he's committed, like, okay, I'm going to marry Edwina. We're going to have this dinner. It goes completely awry, right? And that's when all the, like, knowledge of Kate's, like, underhanded bullshit has come through. Is this when they fuck in the gazebo? No. Before they fuck in the gazebo. That's a good scene. I like that scene. Before the wedding. (laughs) Um, no. Remember where that fell. I'm sorry. Did you know anyway. that the first time that they really like uh, made out and kissed in the book after they were like forced to be engaged was also in a gazebo? Just tying that together. That's true. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but no, that is not the scene I'm talking about. <laughs> the scene I'm talking about is where um, Kate goes to confront Anthony and say, no, wait, please still marry Edwina. Like, don't let my fuck up be the reason you don't do this. Like, don't don't embarrass her this way and he's like it's impossible and she's like you know that there's a whole bit where he's like she's like i'm going back to india and he's like it's not far enough and like loses his mind and then you get this gem of a line that wasn't the book by the way um which is that you are the bane of my existence and the object of all my desires and like even just thinking about it i'm like i got the (laughs) vapor Yes. And I think personally it's an att- it's a testament to that actor because like in the book I was like that's a good line. In the show I was like oh, hot damn. <laughs> like whoa, sir. Um am I pregnant? Like what's yeah, happening here? My ovaries. Um <laughs> As my dad would say, cool your ovaries. Oh Every gosh, time there's an attractive guy on the TV. <laughs> And mom, my mom and I will be like, ooh, and he's like, cool your ovaries. I don't know. I, I don't know why y'all are saying that sexual attraction happened as my ovaries. My ovaries don't. They don't yeah. move. They're on lockdown. It's further <laughs> south than that where that stuff starts. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Um. <laughs> We're not birds and the bees in it no, today. No, no, no. Um, thirty-five. Well, most of us are thirty-five years old. We ain't talking about that. I'm thirty-two. Hey, hey, I'm thirty-four. Yeah, thank you. For yeah, because you're babies. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, getting back to that. Here's the thing. I'm probably in the minority here, but to me, that was the sexiest scene in the entire. Oh no, show. I would have jumped him. Well, okay, yeah, like sure. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't the sexiest scene at all. The sexiest scene is when they fall in the mud. And it's not because it's sexy. It's because it's the first time in the entire show when they actually stop hating each other for just a second. Yeah, they mutually, like, it's the first time that they actually are just being themselves in just a little bit of a way where mm-hmm. they fall in the goddamn mud and she, like... My favorite is they get up and she they go to get out and she goes, help. Just pull it up. I'm trying. It's just her little, 
help that cracks me up every time and the scene is it sexy the whole entire paul mall thing though like the from start to finish i felt very called out i felt attacked you did not need to put me on blast like that because that is exactly how my dumbass fucking behaves. Yeah, you are. Uh, oh, it's a challenge. Irrationally now? competitive Come over the dumbest stuff. And the thing is, like in in moments where like everybody else is competitive, I'm like, I don't no, care. no, no, whatever. But like when you challenge me, now we're going. And what I meant by it was the sexiest scene is not the sexiest scene. The sexiest scene could vary. Uh, the actual sex scene is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like I'm I'm a big old softy for the cute moments. I love the little, just the little cute stuff. Well, like when oh she when she like hits the ball and like after they've kind of called a truce a little bit Mm -hmm. on their whole situation and then she's like but i will never submit to you on the on the gaming field or whatever and she hits the ball like it's the cutest thing and then he sees the where it landed yeah and that breaks my heart a little bit but i just i loved her like she was totally trying to have fun with him she was joking with him she was legit trying to give him a chance in a way that she hadn't before and then he got moody and left and she thought she did something wrong yeah i do want to talk about though like that whole sequence at the house things change Mm -hmm. right i think leading up to that even in kate's like not just in kate's mind i should say but like also like in in her like her feelings and stuff like that the only thing she feels for him is attraction before going to the house. Like she, you know, like, and so from her perspective, like she's irritated. She does not want him to be with Edwina, but like, whatever. He's just another smug asshole in her perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. But everything changes at the house for so many reasons and for so many moments that they have. And I think that one of the complaints that I've seen online a lot is that, why didn't Kate say something then? Why didn't, like, Kate had all these opportunities to say, no, pick me. And that entire, like, arc of them being at that house was cruel. Like, Anthony was fucking cruel because he would be, like, uh, all up in her business when they go hunting. And then the Paul Mall thing where they, like, try to be friends, right? And the and then there's the beast thing and the... And the moment in the library and in every single one of those moments where it builds to, hey, like, I'm like obsessed with you. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like on you. Like, you're my, you are getting all my attention. They end with, but by the way, I'm still going to marry Edwina. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Including the the cumulative marriage proposal. That marriage proposal is, it not only is it a dick move on Anthony's part, it's a dick move on the showwriter's part because that's what the showwriter's doing the same thing to the entire audience of like, oh, do you want it? Do you want it? Do you? Too fucking bad. Right. And that, that, like, the, if you're looking for the source of Kate's, like, inferiority complex to her sister, you need to look no further than the fact that Edwina, who has done nothing but exist has the viscount's attention and gets the proposal and and has has is going to be his wife like is going to have all of that having had none of the moments that kate and Mm -hmm. anthony have and so how how like unappealing must you be that uh that not only does he like 
not want you, but he would rather be with your sister who he has no connection with. But I will say also, one of the things that we really, considering what we talk about, we haven't really talked about the sex scene. Like that- It's because there was a minor little blip in a sex scene. Dude, I really enjoy it. Yes, thank oh, yeah, it you. It's a great scene, but it's not it's not the sexy time that the first Bridgerton brought us. Well, that was an extension. <laughs> that was multiple. That was an entire episode of sex. Oh, yeah, just them fucking all over Clarkson. That, that was 15 minutes of fucking straight. And I was just like, uh-huh. Really? Okay. They they really set a standard they could not live up to. Oh, they could have lived up to it. They just <laughs> oh, did. They could have. It was just, that would have been a lot of smut. I was just like, what just happened? Um, but, no, I, I do think, though, it's kind of funny because, like, you think about that scene, you think about the sex and, like, whatever. But they had one of the most meaningful moments as, like, this little tiny nugget right before that happens where Anthony says... What would happen if you just, if we, like, they're basically like, what if we just did this? Just did something for ourselves. Yeah. And, like, that, like, that's why I say, like, th- this couple is fully on the trauma bond. Oh, yeah. Train. Like, for once they're do like, what we think is best for us as opposed to the rest of our families. Right. Can we just, can we, like, I know we can't and I know we shouldn't, but can we just, like, can we just have something that's ours and not whatever our fucking family needs or wants for once? I do think maybe that's why I love this so much more this season in this couple is I do think there are so many nuances of where they fit. And yes, there's the trauma bond, but there's also the like, we had a lot of similarities in our family situations, a lot of similarities in how we take responsibility and ownership of things, even if maybe we don't have to, to the extent that we do. But also Mm -hmm. the little things like we're super competitive with each other and Mm -hmm. our fucking flirting is just like giving each other a hard time and they both get a little hot bothered by it. And I, and I just, (laughs) I like it. I like that. It's not just, Oh, let's get together and now we're together and it's romantic. It's like, oh, there's all these just little things that fucking click. Right. I loved, I loved Bridgerton season two. I really did, actually. Oh, yeah. I really, loved really so did. Kate is an amazing character. The oh. actress did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I loved her. I thought all of the actors and actresses did an amazing job. I love the actress that plays Eloise. The faces she makes oh, are yeah. just primo. <laughs> Um, but with that in mind, what would your rating be for the show? How many stars you given? If it's just episode, or if it's just season two? Yes, just five. season two. I'm four. Five. I'm like a 4.5. Like, I think there's just like a little, a little couple of nuggets that maybe could have got it to a five for me. Like more sex. I mean, is there room for improvement? Very more much. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you, if, let's go back and some... Uh, this is one of the other things I've seen other people saying is that like you know Kate and Anthony didn't go anywhere you can still give us the sexy times we want. I wanted. expect <laughs> that if there is not like at least one sex scene like it doesn't even have to be like a full blown one it could just be like a, oh hi I'm gonna be upset 
Um, I think that is actually the one thing that would push it to a five for me is if there was one more episode at the end and it was almost like an epilogue episode for Kate and Nancy. The other characters could still have like conflict resolution and, mm-hmm. and shit like that. But to have one episode where it was them truly like falling into that honeymoon phase and not just skipping from we had sex to we're now married. Yes. And now we're, well, now we're playing not that the writers the... would ever mm-hmm. listen. To... Yeah. Yes. Not that the writers would ever listen to this, but if it were to happen, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, I feel like a great way to bring Colin back from whatever venture he's been on is to have him walk in on Kate. (laughs) (laughs) That would be hilarious. That shit would be funny. We did our sexy time pre, like you showed a sexy time. And then, like, Colin comes home and he's like, hey, brother, oh, my God. Well, and we know that Anthony <laughs> likes to fuck against a tree. So, you know. I mean, it is true. I will say. Anthony likes public fucking. <laughs> yes. What is that? I will say, I, there's so many, like, cutesy things in their honeymoon phase that it would be nice it to, like, be. see some of that. Like, the tea scene. The tea scene, the tea scene the tea would be cute. Oh. Like, him, see? And that, just... that is the perfect way to get that to happen. Oh, yeah, if you walked <laughs> started in. started with the tea. He, he, like, <laughs> yanked her across the room. Yes. And when they were just in the sitting room. Um, mm-hmm. how, spice level. What is and the spice level of the, the show for you? Three. Well, certainly doesn't live up to like yeah the first season, but also the non-sex scenes are so much oh, hotter yeah, than the first yeah. season. I do. I think I agree with a three. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. romance. Concur. Five. Uh, four and a half. I think three. I, I, I yeah. do yeah. love an I, enemies I to lovers. That. God, I, I love just an do. Oh. Says a lot about us. I binged this the first time I watched it. I binged the entire. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like and not in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Not like oh, I just like I'm gonna spend my day watching this. No, I started at like nine and just was up until it was done. I was like, no, no, this is gonna (laughs) yeah. Sleep is my life. (laughs) Um. Okay. So if you loved this, which we did, what other shows are you recommending? I don't know. I'm Books, careful. movies, podcasts. Mm. Cool. Great. You guys don't have anything to say. I do. So. <laughs> Perfect. This was not about you talking. It was about Take it me. Away. Um, <laughs> the hair flip on that one. Okay. So I found, I'm about four episodes in. I found this show that I'm in love with called Gentleman Jack on HBO. And it is set in... 1800s so it's like a later time period but still technically historic uh or historic fiction and it's about a woman she's in her 40s but she lives kind of like she is the head of her house um like she owns the house it was left to her by her uncle even though her father is still alive she manages all the finances and everything and she's like she dresses not necessarily like like feminine but not 100% masculine either like she still wears a dress but it's always black And she wears a top hat and like she Mm -hmm. falls in love. Well, she doesn't think she's falling in love, but she is falling in love with another woman. Um, And it's a beautiful story and it starts a little slow. And at first you're like, do I like this main character? And then you get to episode four and you're like, oh my God, I love you. (laughs) So watch it. Um, The reason I'm suggesting it though, is because it is the like woman in a man's world, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like what Eloise is doing and even what Penn is doing of being like, no, I'm going to, 
I'm going to dig a coal, like... Blaze my own trail. Yeah, she, like, even opens up coal mines on her land and, like, has to go, like, talk to her tenants. And it doesn't sound interesting, but it is. So watch that show. Also, the reason I found it is because there's a gal on YouTube that I watch who talks about historical dress, and she ranks, like, shows and movies on how good they're doing, including hair and makeup. And she's like, this show is the tops. Like, you can even see hand stitching and, like, the hair is accurate to the time period, even though it looks dumb. These are that time period's hair was dumb, but it's still accurate. Why didn't you fucking leave (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay, I'm done. That was Liz Talks time. I appreciate it. I'm going to have to watch that now. God damn it. Yes. I will just say. What was the name of that again? Gentleman Jack. It's on HBO. Gentleman Jack. Um, I will say first episode, you're you're kind of like, this is slow moving, but it picks up. And then. Uh, it's just great. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, to listening to us do the thing. And I hope that you'll come listen to us do more things in the future. Uh, please follow us on all the socials at wrong dust jackets or just wrong jackets. Uh, and you can also go to our website at uh, wrongdustjackets.com. Thank you so much. My name's Liz. I'm Danny. Wiggles. Bye, Bye. now.